Buying or selling a home can be challenging, but it doesn't have to be. Heritage Realty makes buying and selling easy. With Heritage Realty, you get local market expertise, one-on-one service, and the support of a network of agents across the area. Heritage Realty cares about the details and goes above and beyond to deliver the service you need. Knowledge is power. Trust Heritage Realty to buy or sell your home. For the newest listings and detailed market reports, visit HeritageRealtyKnox.com. Heritage Realty, where today's technology meets traditional customer service. And it was Joe's. The personnel shine through for Georgia in four quarters. Where Tennessee goes after falling to number one, we tell you now from Harper Volkswagen. Tyler and Will on your radio at 99.1, the sports animal. Live from Harper Volkswagen, where my co host loses his mind on the Tennessee Syracuse game. This is Tyler and Will, 99.1, the sports animal. Tennessee 4 of 19 right now in field goal shooting Syracuse 4 of 5 from beyond the arc. Balls down 19 to 12. Eventually we will do a legal play-by-play right here on the radio. How are you, Tyler uh, Evans? I'm doing well. I guess this is where I'm supposed to do programming announcements out of the gate. You are inside Tyler and Will on the FM side of things, 99.1 The Sports Animal. But if you want to say aloha, you can hear the men, Bob Kessler and Steve Hamer, with the call from the campus of Hawaii. That is on AM 990 (laughs) 107.7 WIVK. There's no chance Evans is going to finish this game, this show, without doing something FCC non-compliant. Just understand, Can I so just say Baker, real quick? Riley, be prepared because we need both of you with your hand on a button somewhere to make sure Robbins doesn't drop the wrong word on the air. So here's the thing. I have the under in the Syracuse cover on this, which nobody cares. But right now I'm kind of frustrated at the way that Tennessee's playing right now because Santiago Vescovi's on the bench right now with two fouls. Uh, Judah Mintz. Their best players on the Syracuse is leading by seven, and their best players on the bench with two fouls. Yeah. So Tennessee needs to take advantage of this right now. It's a right now just ahead of the under eight, and Tennessee right now currently trails nineteen to Jeez. fifteen. But I think everybody wants to talk about what happened in a twenty-eight point loss Saturday at Neyland Stadium. And remember today, three thirty to four thirty, John Pennington, Bob Hodge, the Roundtable, five o'clock today. Mm-hmm. Josh Dobbs going to join mm-hmm. us. Play his backside off. Is what it is last night against the uh, Denver Broncos. That defense is legit. And then, uh, again, we'll have uh, five burning questions coming up at 4.30. You'll hear from VFL Chris Brown. A whole lot of things to get to before the end of the day show. Tennessee 38-10 to takes the L. Uh, I, I'll be honest with you, Ivans. That's the best Georgia's played all year. I've watched a lot of Georgia football. I've seen five games wire to wire. I've watched at least a half of every other game. That was the best game they played all year. Tennessee got beat down. There ain't a whole lot you can do with that. What are you going to do when the number one team in the country, at the at best, the best team in the country converting on third downs goes 9 of 13 well, on third down conversions? It, it also, you mentioned it coming in. Jimmy's and Joe's, that, a lot of that was Jimmy's and Joe's. So there's some things that you wish you to coach differently. I mean, if you have Keenan Peely there, when they run all that mesh stuff in the middle of the field, did, their, did your linebackers poop their pants? Oh. I, I, maybe not, but, but they did. And so and Georgia had done that all year, so why wasn't Tennessee prepared for it? Because that's not the thing they do. Exactly. And they came out against Tennessee and did it and just had Tennessee shook, and it was a fantastic game plan. They did a bunch of buckwild stuff that they haven't done all season long. Carson Beck is one of the few quarterbacks in the SEC. Really, there's three. Brady Cook. Devin Leary hasn't gone great for him. And Carson Beck, they can get the ball in their hands quickly. That the, the wide receivers get the ball out of the break. They snap the ball. They know where they're going to go with that. Hit their reads quickly. Carson Beck played the best game of, of I have seen of his time at Georgia. It wasn't just offensive lines dominating, so let's get the ball downfield. They understood Tennessee's pass rush is legit. 
So let's do a lot of quick underneath stuff and just hit them with a bunch of mesh. And they did. And Tennessee got beat with it. The guys who are the two receivers that went nuts for Georgia against Tennessee ain't done a dang thing in five weeks. And they just let you up. So Tennessee has the one big play from Jalen Wright, Tyler. After that, he runs eight times for 15 yards. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you're supposed to do. It's not funny. No, it's not, we're, not, we're not trying to make it funny, but it is funny. What after else what, do you do? Like, right, you just sit there, you tip your cap, and you say, well, it's, hey, Steiner, come get your butt whooping, right? It's yeah. a sports center commercial. Yeah. Hey, come on out of here. Charlie, come get your butt whooping. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what happens. Yeah, the Evander Holyfield. Yep. Uh, let me ask you this. And I made a comment to Chris Brown, the VFL. He's here at Harper Volkswagen with us today. Does a great Na- job on Ball Network. 9901, well. Kingston Pike. And I asked him, I said, now that everybody's calmed down from the game, let's talk facts. And he goes, let's do it. I said, Jimmy's and Joe's, their personnel versus Tennessee's personnel. You don't like the situation, even if Tennessee was completely healthy. They were showing their third and second best players on the depth chart. And Georgia right now is recruiting better. And he goes, Tyler Ivins, Jimmys and Joes, and recruit better. You're 100% right. Every VFL and former player is trying to tell you, hey, guys, Josh Heupel is recruiting to get on a level of Alabama and Georgia. And right now, if you're a Tennessee fan, be subjective and know the right things are happening. But, sure, I don't know how many people are going to look at this season and go, eight and four. Yeah, It yeah, is what it is. Th- I would also, again, point out the last 15, the 15 years between Fulmer and Heupel, the end of Coach Fulmer and Heibel getting here. Tennessee won eight games in the regular season twice. There you go. No, we'll say this. They better handle their business against Vandy. <laughs> like I, yeah, I'd be real uh, for a second. Yeah. You know how when we see the line and you think to yourself, how's that line just that against Georgia? Yeah. And then you see how things roll out between Tennessee and Vanderbilt. I think Tennessee's going to go in there and just absolutely smash I, them. I agree with you because I think they're just going to pound the rod down their throat and there's nothing to do about it. Um, and what, what have we seen this year? When Tennessee can control the line of scrimmage, Tennessee wins. Um, they have, they've not been able to go as much tempo this year at times, mm-hmm. and Josh Heupel said that was the offensive line, is what it is. So what do you do? I mean, like, you you just kind of I, – I, you've dealt with a lot of injuries. I hate it for these young guys. They I think you have a focus problem sometimes, but I think that a lot of kids – like, look, look at I, – I was talking about this the other day. Look at USC – they're finishing two games behind where they were expected to finish, if not four games behind where they were expected Their to finish. Their last they're five, five games have been a nightmare. They're 7-5. and five. They started 6-0. and oh. Yeah, and they're 7-5 and five right now, USC is. LSU's two games behind what they were expected to finish. Mm-hmm. Even if you had them losing the Bama game, they're two games behind where they were expected to finish. Um, and I did have them losing the Bama game, but I still thought they were going to be 11-1. and one. They're going to end up 9-3. and three. Uh, Clemson. It, part of, I think, why a lot of us got okey-doked is it's pretty much the same Clemson rosters this year, same Tennessee rosters as this year right. that played in the Orange Bowl. Garrett Riley coming in, we all thought, to, everybody thought Clemson was 10-2 and two or 11-1, and one, and that's an 8-4 and four football team. And so the fact that Tennessee smoked an 8-4 and four ACC football team, I think we all got okey-doked to what Clemson was, and then you look at it, and Tennessee has beaten the team's Outside of Missouri, they have beaten the teams that have – they've lost to the teams that have better rosters than they do. I mean, A&M, you got Jimbo. They should have beaten one for the Florida game, but Florida's in the blue-chip ratio. Tennessee's not. You went 8-4 and and you're not in the blue-chip ratio, and it's still a disappointing season, and all of that is, is okay to some extent, but it still sucks. I'm quoting Chris Brown right now, and he said, the only game I'm disappointed with this year is the Florida game. You are better than Florida this year going down to Gainesville. Missouri's got a better roster than you right now. And Alabama and Georgia speak for themselves. He said right now, as long as you, you can do the ups and downs. You know how they do the waves with your hand? 
the ups and the downs. As long as you're doing this, but you're heading north. I know this doesn't work well for radio, but to Chris's point, Tennessee's heading in the right direction. It's just making sure you continue to recruit. And today, or I should say Saturday, was better of a mention of what a measuring stick game was for Tennessee against number one. Hey, Will West, if I said bold styling and I said a turbocharged engine, there's probably a good chance I'm talking about Volkswagen with their digital cockpit, and I'm probably talking about the Taos as well as some of the other incredible things they have SUV-wise right here at Harper Volkswagen. And look, you will be floored when you see how much vehicle you can get for the money right now at Harper Volkswagen. Like a lot of places, SUV prices are just through the roof. Yeah, they are. Not at Harper Volkswagen. Stop by and see them. So many of these vehicles made right here in East Tennessee, so they have an unbelievable selection. And I'm telling you, when you see this digital cockpit, you see how much vehicle that you can still get for the 30s and even the 20s. You will absolutely love your experience at Harper Volkswagen. All right, Tennessee, Georgia, where did things go wrong inside the numbers with the Bulldogs and the Vols? Speaking of numbers, Tennessee continues to trail, but the question is how by how much at the Maui Invitational opening round show? And I want to hit you with something Kevin Simon told us before the first game, and I think that it ended up being prophetic about what Tennessee's football season has become. Tyler and Will, it's Thanksgiving week right here on the flagship station for Tennessee football. 99.1, you're listening to the Sports Animal. Sports Animal. So Kevin Simon earlier this year, before the first game, came on the air with us when we first started doing Simon Says. It was the first one that we did of the season. Right. And we were talking about season predictions and things like that. I had Tennessee at 10-2. and two. My, my thesis was you just boat race Clemson, who's a college football playoff contender, and the rosters are the same. Joe has another offseason season. From there, it's just going to be like I just think that also I think Tennessee is better than everybody but Georgia and Bama, and they'll lose to them. I still think they have a better roster than Florida, and I still think they have a better roster than Missouri, but they got smoked up front against Missouri. What do you do? Um, Kevin Simon said something to us then that I will hearken you back to, Tyler Ivins. Please. Tennessee's talent is not as talented this year as a lot of people think they are. Some of the talent is still really young and inexperienced. You lost two NFL wide receivers at starting edge rusher in the NFL, a starting tackle in the NFL, and a guy that probably becomes a starting quarterback in the NFL. Right. This is going to be an eight and four year. And it looks like right now, Tennessee, like, like if you watch that game Saturday, there's a lot of little piddly, piddly stuff you can point to and be like, why did. And you got smoked because they had better players. Bingo. Point blank. You know what Kirby said after? What did Kirby say afterwards to Jenny Dell? Like, what, how, how are you going to pull this off? you got to get the right players. <laughs> That's what he said. Get the and right I'm glad, players. And, you know, he, la- he later goes on into the press conference, and what does he say? <laughs> I just want to find guys. You know, Kirby, you said something just post-game there. I don't want to raid the transfer portal. I want to find guys who want to do it the Georgia way, the same way. And, look, sometimes whenever I hear those, like, those comments. Yeah, you, you know, know we ain't raiding the coach tra- says we want to do it the right way, they don't the actually r- do it yeah. the right way. But I'll give Georgia credit. You don't see them going into the transfer portal that often. The players they are recruiting and getting, well, Wes, they're staying in, in Athens, and it seems like that it's paying off right now for Kirby Smart. At the end of the day, your conversation, I mean, for goodness gracious sakes, Will Wes, you want to talk about personnel? Hey, you might want to slow down a tight end in this game. Oh, yeah, Brock Bowers? No, they got a guy named Dylan Bell as well. Yeah. He's pretty dang solid, too. Dylan Bell had done 
nothing <laughs> all season long. <laughs> Dylan Bell had his his high output was 32 yards in the game against UT Martin week one. When the Bell week- made that catch on third down to move the chains, I thought this will be a long day. Yes. That catch was that. It was the third down conversion. Uh, Carson Beck couldn't have put it in a better spot. Danico Slaughter Tennessee. couldn't have guarded any better. And Dylan Bell was the only one who could catch any caught. They called the perfect defense. Exactly. They defended it perfectly. Yep. It took a perfect throw and a perfect catch, and they got it, and it was like, well. <laughs> That's what the number one team in the country looks like. Yes. No, look, look from, from other things, because there are a lot of frustrations with the fans. Right now, we're not scratching that itch for you, and I completely understand. Sure. We are going to bring reality to the table, though, whether it's, it's the emotionally gratifying thing or not. Look, Joe's a middle-of-the-pack SEC quarterback this year. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. And I think we all thought with what we saw last year, I can tell you I did, I thought he'd be a top fourth of the SEC quarterback. And then because of the because of the physical abilities, he'd, he'd end up being Anthony Richardson 2.0, right? So that that's what I thought. The ceiling he had to reach wasn't that high. No, no. Especially and, and, with what we saw from Levis and Richardson. And Joe's the seventh-ranked passer in the SEC, right. dead in the middle. And that's kind of what it is. It ain't all on him. Let, let's be very real about some other things. Well, there are wide receivers that we thought were going to be game-breaking players, and at this point in their careers, they are not game-breaking players. Mm-hmm. There's one specifically. Mm-hmm. You had Brew, who wasn't having a great start to the season, but was doing everything he needed to, was the heart and soul of the team, then he gets hurt. Um, the, you needed another guy that's a senior to step up, a wide receiver, and he didn't. You know what I mean? Like, and he and he, did, and he put the work in the off season from what everyone says. He did all the work. It just didn't work out, and it just didn't get the job done. You bring in transfer portal tackles who didn't get it done, and that's just kind of what. Let's lay this egg out there for Tennessee, and that's what it is this season. It's not like Tennessee's going four and eight. It's not like they're USC and they were a national title contender and they went seven and five. I saw other fans, the fans of other teams, dunking on Tennessee from so ha ha y'all aren't winning the East. And nobody thought they were winning. Nobody was. <laughs> nobody nobody per- once. Not a single human picked that. Not one person in the East. So it's it is it's still a disappointing year because I think everybody thought you're a game or two better than this. You didn't get there, but I do wonder. Hey, was Kevin just right? And 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 one of the things a lot of people when I pointed that out on Twitter said to me was, "Yeah, weren't we all just wrong about Clemson at the end of the day?" Yeah. And that's and that and then like if you'd have known Clemson was going to be a team that has to rally to go eight and four in the ACC. We probably wouldn't have picked Tennessee to go to the two or not the three this year. Uh, but not what we saw coming. Can I just pause real quick? Is it funny the whole what you said, what you said, what you said kind of notion between Tennessee and Georgia the last couple of years has been kind of eye roll? Nobody was predicting Tennessee to win the East this year, at least I know on this station, on this side of the country. And then last year, listening to Georgia be like, they thought we were going to go 8-4, and four, and we came in here and won the net. Nobody literally said, Georgia, you were going to yeah. go 8-4 and four on your way to a second national it, championship. It didn't happen. It, it, look, I, I did expect – I did not expect some of the drops Tennessee had. I did not. There was an overthrow that happened downfield. Right. But, but the, So here's the thing, and, and part of it is it's one of the reasons why I never wanted to do a show where we only talk about Tennessee football when I was coming in this, because you're going to end up wrong all the time. Mm. Paralysis by analysis. Why do you think draft experts are always wrong? Because they're watching too much of it, right? But when you watch the rest of the nation, you kind of get a good feel for what's going on. I, I'm going to be real. I thought Squirrel White was going to, with the way he finished the season last year, I thought he would be. His a, era a, was green going north. And, 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 and it's still, but instead, you, what you got from Squirrel White was a normal trajectory. Where he, as a sophomore, played like a very good, talented sophomore. That's how Squirrel White played. And that's okay. 
And our, if we had unrealistic expectations for him, that's not on him. I do think you have a culture, and we see this with P.J. Fleck a lot of the time. We saw this with Stoops, Bob Stoops at times. Places that let their seniors run their practices and set the culture and do things like that. When you got the right seniors, it goes real well. When you have not a great talented group of seniors, yeah, right? like like how does your like if they're how does the defensive leader on the team tell the, tell these guys stop running with the eye candy and uh, whenever they they run guys in motion and follow where the blocking's going and and tackle the ball carrier? How does he do that when he does that himself? So I I think like how. Ramel Keaton's a, a guy that it just didn't work out for Ramel Keaton this past year. But I would say this. Look at the young guys that are on the team right now. I am absolutely buying stock in Dylan Sampson and Arian Carter, and I told you why before the season started. Something I saw from them at an event that I was at over the summer. I really like Chaz Nimrod, and I think Chaz Nimrod mm. should have been getting more opportunities as the season's gone along, but they played the upperclassmen and to, to their, their detriment a lot. So – it is what it is. Tennessee has a whole lot to replace next year. My concern is, so what if Nico's, what if his growth and development works at the rate that every other college football player's growth and development works at? It's a question you have to ask, but now people who heard you just ask that question are going, shut up, Will. But it's a fair question to ask. And the, if that happens, let's be it's real. It's a what very, very fair question You're looking to ask. at 8, 4, 9, and 3 again next year, unless something happens in the transfer. Weren't a lot of people – okay, let's actually ask a question to make sure we're on the same page. Nobody said Tennessee was going to East win the East. Last year, nobody was saying Georgia was going to go 8-4. and four. So let's actually ask this question right now so I can at least get some form of starting point of this conversation. Well, weren't a lot of people already saying that they were going to give Josh Heupel 2024? What I mean by that is next, that, that 24 was going to be okay. It's a rebuilding year. You're making a transition over to a new quarterback. He hasn't been in the system that long. We'll give Josh Heupel an 8-4 and four season in 2024. Josh Heupel will just be, okay, season. Have you heard that? Because yeah. I kind of already had it chalked up in my mind. Nico's first year under center. If they go 8-4, and four, I'll be ecstatic, and I think that's perfect. I really wasn't looking at the next level of Tennessee recruits and the next push for a championship to come till 2025. Yeah, look, I, I, I thought you could, if things broke right for you and a couple guys worked out, that this year could, could be special. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> so what do you do? Uh, now, now, look, I do think Heupel has to evolve his offense because I think defenses are catching up a little bit. We also see what happens when you don't have an offensive line that can go at the tempo that he needs this offense to go at. 31 seconds, 30 seconds, got to snap the ball fast. Got to go fast. Go fast, go fast, go fast. Keep him vanilla because you, you don't have the guys that can – you don't have the Jimmys and Joes yet. So next year, Tennessee will barely be in the blue chip ratio. You can't win or really win the national championship unless you're in the well in the blue chip ratio usually, but it never happens unless you're in the blue chip ratio. Tennessee will barely be in the blue chip ratio next year, and we'll see where it goes. And let's look. These seniors worked their butts off. A lot of them were part of the team that got that rebuilt this program where eight and fours were. Everybody's mad at eight and four mm-hmm. instead of Butch Jones gets to take down the national championship trophy and put it under the staircase because you went eight and four. So – Honor these guys this Saturday and hope for better days later on. John Pennington, Bob Hodge from the Sports Source. They're going to join us next for the roundtable being brought to you by our friends over at Games and Things. Tennessee football, the conversation continues here on 99.1, the sports animal. And if you're just now flipping over and joining us on the AM side of things, aloha to you.
That's during the reset. Halftime has been reached in the opening game of the Maui Invitational. Tennessee at one point in time trailed by five points in the first half. They just used a 17-5 run in the last eight minutes to take a five-point lead into the locker room. There are 30 points on the board for Tennessee. Half of them have been scored by some guy named Dalton Connect. Dalton Connect has half of Tennessee's points at the break. Currently, they Tennessee so leading Syracuse 30-25. to 25. I know you're laughing at me because I've got eyes on the TV while I'm sitting here <laughs> trying to do the radio no, no, show no, with but you. It, but it, that dude's good, man. Every, like, when he shoots, it feels like it's like Steph or Bird or Miller where it just feels like it's going to go in. Like, that's just stupid. Some of the things did. he's doing. The acrobats yeah, that come yeah, with yeah. it. That's stupid. 30-25. Tennessee leads Syracuse in the opener of the Maui Invitational. John, Bob, they join us next. Tyler and Will Afternoons continues from Harper Volkswagen. You want to know why SUVs are just done better at Harper Volkswagen? We tell you in the next nine minutes here on the Sports Animal. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks which companies are a force for good. Companies like Bank of America, which just earned the Just Capital seal. Bank of America is ranked number one for ongoing commitment to their workers with initiatives like Sharing Success, which awarded 97% of their teammates additional compensation, nearly all in stock. This is the program's seventh consecutive year, awarding more than $4.8 billion in total. Visit JustCapital.com to learn how a just business is a better business. Furnished by Just Capital. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Title Transference aired October 27, 2004. Director James Marshall, writers Todd Slavkin, Darren Swimmer. I really like this episode, and I'm surprised that you don't like it as much as you thought you did. I actually respect your opinion more than I respect my own in general. (laughs) When you say things are good and I check them out, they are. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. One bets on the games, the other on the markets. You're listening to Tyler and Will on 99.1, the sports animal. Tennessee and senior day. Vanderbilt comes to town for the final look of the volunteers at Shield Watkins Field, Neyland Stadium. It's going to be heard right here on the flagship station for Tennessee football. 99.1, the sports animal. That's game number 12. But you still want to talk about game number 11. Tyler Ivins, Will West, Tyler Will continuing here from Harper Volkswagen, 9901 Kingston Pike. And as we do each and every Monday, the next 60 minutes, we expand things out to two gentlemen you love hearing from. We've seen the numbers. The numbers look good. And the guys, they tell it to you straight. If you miss them each and every uh, Sunday morning on WATE, YouTube, and also the podcast when they join us here, John Pennington of the Sports Source, Bob Hodge of the Sports Source joining the program right now. Gentlemen, good afternoon to you as we welcome you in. After a 28-point loss, the Volunteers fall to the number one team in the land. John Pennington will get started with you, 38-10. to 10. And simply put, you can sit there and overanalyze all four quarters of football. You can look inside the numbers and the stats. But simply put, if this is a measurement of personnel or the talent you have, it was pretty obvious for each one of those four quarters of football, man. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having us. And yes, I agree. I mean, the the bottom line is I can understand if people get upset about the Missouri game, say, how did that happen? If you look at Florida and you're not like me and you think, well, they never went at Gainesville. But if you look at Florida and you think, how did that egg get laid? Okay, I get it. But for anybody who's running around upset after the Georgia game, I mean, I know you want to win. I know you don't want to get clocked at home, but it's pretty simple. I mean, you just got out talented. 
when you when you got a team that has we added it up uh, on the on the show, I think the last four recruiting classes they've brought in eighteen five stars. You got one, and he's a freshman quarterback who didn't play. So <laughs> when you're looking at injuries, which you throw on for Tennessee, you go into that game. Not only are you playing a team that's won twenty eight straight SEC games uh, in an era where you're not supposed to do that, but you go in without your two starting tackles, and then one of your backup tackles goes down late. And one of your starting guards goes out. I mean, look, there's just that one was not hard to explain, not hard to figure out. You're just out talented. Now we can talk about the season. We can talk about Missouri. We can talk about where it's going going forward. But for Georgia, I just chalk that up to, yeah, what'd you expect? All right. So Bob, did you did you look at it the same way? Was this just a Jimmy's and Joe's game? That's what Kirby said after the game. Did you think this was just a Jimmy's and Joe's game? Yeah, I thought it did. I've, I've, you know, I go all season. We can get into it later if we want to. That Tennessee's offense hasn't been very good for most of the year. So why did anybody think it was going to get better against one of the best, if not the best, defense that you'd seen this season? So it, it, the only thing that surprised me about that game was the line was so close. I'm not a big betting man, but boy, I sat there and kept looking at that thinking, my wallet's talking to me. Luckily, or I guess I should have listened, but I I just, nothing, nothing really about that game surprised me. I thought it could have been a little bit closer, but when you look at it and you sat there and if you took Georgia and projected how many guys on their roster are going to be in the NFL, you look at Tennessee, how many guys on their roster are going to be in the NFL? Well, it doesn't always come down to that. But in this case, yeah, I think it came down to that. You were just out Jimmy and Joe. Okay, you, you mentioned something there. And if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to step in here. And, and let's start with you on this, Bob, and then John, if you'll weigh in as well. Do you think they're catching up with Josh Heupel's offense? Because Riley Thomas sent us this text uh, earlier today. And I don't remember who the gentleman was that came up with the stats, but Heupel had never scored less than fewer than 36 touchdowns in any season. That was in his first year at Tennessee, his offense hadn't. As a head coach, he has scored 16 touchdowns this year. Do you think that defenses are catching up with what Josh Heupel's doing? You know, I, I think, unfortunately, that is yet to be determined. But I just don't think this was a good year to make that kind of an overall judgment. I I just never was on the Joe Milton train as far as him being an upper echelon quarterback. Seems like an upper echelon guy. He's just an average quarterback. I think your receivers turned out to be kind of disappointing. It only got worse after you lost Brew McCoy. Your tight ends were virtually non-existent after last year. You had a tight end that in a variety of ways scored nine touchdowns for you. So I don't think this is the year to sit back and say, yep, caught up with him. You know, it's it's never going to be what it was again. I think if you go back to having elite players, Hendon Hooker was elite. Your receivers were elite. I think that maybe your offense can be elite again. Um, my My question is, can you take guys who don't come in as five stars or maybe even fours? And that was the case with Cedric Tillman. Nobody wanted Cedric Tillman back when he was being recruited. And can you elevate them to a level to where you go, holy cow, look at that. We've got you know more NFL talent on our team. 
I think it just, you know, bottom line to all that is it remains to be seen if they've caught up. But I think you just regressed so far from the talent you had on the field last year on offense to what you had this year that that you, you get eight and four. I, I think that's what it comes down to is you just had less talent running that system. John, your rebuttal? No, I, 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 you know, I think it's way too soon to say anything like that. I know, well, not only that, I don't believe that. I don't think it's right. Uh, I think it's a little like every time Nick Saban has a year where they lose two games, ah, it's passed him by. Yeah. He's there in decline now. I think people are just waiting to say that. And if it wasn't this year, if it was next year, and the offense took a took a sideways step, everyone would say, aha, he's now been caught up to. Now, we've asked on the show, I wondered, how good is it for him that more and more teams are running this offense. You're seeing coaches with elements of this all over the SEC now, which to me is worth watching because you're not just preparing for it once a year. You know how nobody wants to play Army because you never see that offense but once a year. Well, if you're only playing that 100-mile-an-hour tempo, if you're only playing that 100-mile-an-hour tempo um, once a year, it's different. If everybody's running it, okay, it's not as different. But I did the numbers earlier today, and I didn't know where to get them in. Didn't know if I could. Now you've led me into it. Uh, when you look at, at Josh Heupel at Missouri, when he was offensive coordinator, they averaged more than four touchdowns per game for both years. He went to UCF. He averaged five touchdowns per game, more than five touchdowns per game, all three years. He came here. He averaged almost five, and then he averaged six. So 4.86. This year he's at 3.1 touchdowns per game. That is a full touchdown per game less than he has averaged anywhere, anywhere. In the SEC as an OC at Missouri, as a head coach at UCF against lesser competition, as a head coach at Tennessee. So I'm not buying that, aha, they found him out, it's over. I think that's what people want to find. Now, next year, I think they're going to be better. I don't think, I don't necessarily think the record's going to be better. Record could be worse. But I think that your quarterback is probably going to process more quickly. And he's probably going to be willing to run. Two things that this quarterback doesn't do very well. And I think that is a huge issue with this offense. So we'll see if they can develop the uh, the receivers a little bit more. One of the things we talked about when he took over, and then again last year, look at the way they develop players. Man, the players are developing. All right, so they didn't develop a ton of them this year. Not at least the quarterback didn't take a step forward in his 15th college season. I don't know why we expected him to. And the receivers didn't take a step forward. Okay. That's that's a question mark. But overall, I'm not buying the his offense is, is caught up to and the game's passing by and all that kind of stuff. Not yet, anyway. That This is an aberration from everything he's done. And he's done it at, at previous places without four- and five-star guys. Missouri wasn't loaded with four- and five-star guys when he got there. He didn't have four- and five-star guys at UCF. He's had different talent levels everywhere. I just think this is a specific, unique case to Tennessee this year because you have a quarterback who looks like he is buffering when he drops back. Do I want to run? I don't know. I better stop. No, I'm going to run. Do I want to throw? Do I throw to him? How hard do I throw it? I think that's the uh, I think that's the problem. That's Sean Pennington. Bob Hodge here as well. Remember the Sports Source, SportsSource.tv. If you missed Sunday's show, you can catch it right now at SportsSource.tv or on YouTube. Catch next Sunday's show, 11 to 1230 on WATE. They're brought to you by Games of Things, OurGameRoom.com, Skee-Ball, Shuffleboard, Air Hockey, Arcade Games, Jukeboxes, Darts, Table Tennis, Foosball. They have it all. You will The number one pool table store for Knoxville and Sevierville, that's Games of Things. Tyler and Will live from Harper Volkswagen. 
Roundtable continues, 99.1, the sports animal. Business has always been about turning a profit, making money. But can it stand for something more? Something beyond dollars and cents? We think so. We think that today, business has a higher calling, a purpose to be fair and just, to do right by their workers, customers, communities, and the environment. And it turns out companies successful doing that also do better for their bottom line. When you see the Just Capital seal, it means this company is a force for good. Visit JustCapital.com to learn more. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Let's get into season four, episode three, Facade. People get picked on. I got picked on. But Scabby Abby, Scabby, the whole school yeah, just I hurt me. I felt like it wasn't real. If I may, I want to defend the storytellers. The people who created the show wanted you to feel like these people were the worst people ever. They pretty much said the whole school of Smallville High are bad people. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. Animal from Harper Volkswagen coming to you on AM 990 at the moment because Tennessee men's basketball is taking over the FM frequency side of things. Tennessee and Syracuse in the second half. The Volunteers currently right now using an 8-2 run to extend that five-point halftime lead. Again, Vols Orange, that's the opener of the Maui Invitational where Tennessee leads Syracuse 38-29. John Pennington, Bob Hodger set to rejoin the roundtable coming up in minutes. But first, we've been in an absolute crush job right now. We are 16-4 and in our last 20. We have hit 80% of our wagers the last four weeks of shows. You need some spending money for Black Friday. Riley Thomas, let's do a little riding with Divins. When the underdogs are howling, he answers the call. It's Riding with Ivans on 99.1, the sports animal. And remember, if you're looking to bet this fall, doing just this one little thing will have a positive impact on your win percentage rate as well as return on investment. Regardless of your ability and talent, have a strategy, bet responsibly, 877-0120 or online. That is at dbwins.com. I know you guys don't like hearing about the things that we should have done, but because we were on the air at 3 o'clock today and not 2.30, we couldn't use the best play of the day, which was the under in the Syracuse-Tennessee game that's absolutely going to crush and be on the right side when it's all said and done. So we got to dig for your second, maybe your third best play of the day. And it's a showdown tonight. One where there's one team who's trying to get back into the mix of things. But I don't know if Louisville's really a team that you want to buy right now. But we are still buying Indiana. That's the showdown tonight between the Hoosiers and the Cardinals. Last time out, Indiana, they got tossed around by the defending national champions, UConn, by almost 20 points. This is an Indiana team, though, 
that they make you play to their pace, and I just don't believe that this is going to be a number that Louisville's going to be able to hang on to. I understand a lot of people say Indiana away from Assembly Hall, you can't really judge on covers. But me, I'm going to go against the grain on this one because this is a new season and new numbers tell us different. It's a little bit of a sizable number, but I'm okay with this. And we lay it, we end up picking up a W tonight with the Hoosiers. Better coach, better roster top to bottom. I think this is a green cash for us. Your play for Monday, November the 20th. Give me the Hoosiers of Indiana minus seven in their showdown against the Louisville Cardinals. Riding with Ivans here on Tyler and Wills. We turn things back over to John Pennington and Bob Hodge. Guys, I actually want to pick up the conversation where we just left it briefly. John, you said, you know, you don't believe that things have caught up yet. Defenses, Tennessee, the offense, and how things are kind of running. Is there an answer, though, to second-half adjustments and their inabilities now for three games out of 11 to just put zero points on the board in the second half? You have zero points on the board against Alabama. You have zero points on the board now back-to-back weeks, Missouri and Georgia. What have you seen in that last 30 minutes, and can we even point to something directly to the issue at hand? You know, I wonder if the uh, – it, it seems to me, all right, and, and we can get into the adjustment. Thing. I think that's a fair question. Uh, but one of the things I wonder is they have they, – they still do a, a pretty good job in the first quarter, all right? Right. So that tells me they can scheme it up. So they can scheme it up pretty good. The odds that they just go stupid, it takes them a whole week to scheme up something good. They can't make any adjustments. I mean, for one thing, talk to any player and they'll tell you that adjustments are happening after every drive, not just at the half. But I just find it hard to believe that they all of a sudden sit there and they go in at halftime like, I got nothing. I came up with a good plan, but I got nothing. So what it makes me wonder is, do you have so many limitations right now in offense that we didn't foresee coming into the season? Do you have limitations, whether it's uh, your receivers didn't turn out to be what they were, two receivers are down, offensive line issues, again, back to the quarterback, that you are able to scheme it up, and then the other guy says, oh, here's what they're doing. They catch up. you got nothing else to go to. you got no fallback. Now, we could talk about creativity. Um, you know, I thought it was interesting. Marlon Walls brought this up to me during the game. Why was Georgia running more schemed-up wrinkles than Tennessee was? They didn't need to. They got the talent. You didn't scheme up a lot. So maybe, you know, we've talked about it. It's a simple kind of an offense. It made people mad last year. It can't be simple if it's good. Yeah, that's one of the reasons it's good. It's simple. But they don't seem to have a track two when track one isn't working. And we've all seen those boxing matches where, Guy comes out of the out of the opening round, beats the hell out of the other guy, has a good second round. Then the guy in the corner tells him, oh, he's just doing this. And that's it. That guy's doomed after that. I just wonder if Tennessee's offense isn't in this spot right now. Because if you remember last year, the success came first quarter, and then you jump a little bit in the third quarter. So I don't remember the huge issues the first two years under Josh Heupel that he suddenly can't coach at halftime. So to me – I think it may be you are limited, and he's trying to coach it up as best he can, and then, as, as you guys hinted at earlier, take the 100-mile-an-hour the speed out of it this year because you're not running as, as fast as you have in the past, mainly because your offense isn't as successful, so it can't feed on itself. But do you have a line that can play as fast as it has? I just think he's kind of up against the wall in some of the stuff that uh, when he schemes it up and the other team can figure it out and put a stop to it, I don't know that he's got something in, in plan two. And he's a sharp guy, so I don't think it's just because he's sitting there 
I need more time. I can't do it. It's halftime. The pressure. I think it's probably. Oh, hell, I got nothing else, man. What else are we gonna do? This is this is where we are as a program. When you lose thirty something players, and maybe last year, you just had the right pieces in the right spots to enable you to mask the issues a lot better than anybody anticipated. What do you think, Bob? I'm going to go with a lot of what John said. I think I think you're limited because of players. I I don't know what the plan in the second half against Georgia and the second half against Missouri would have been that would have turned things around because, Fair point. you know, you came out, you gave them their best shot. And I think to talk about how limited this offense is, I think you need to look at the last couple of minutes and the halftime of games against Florida. Uh, you saw it against Georgia. You saw it against Missouri. It about worked out uh, to your favor. But – this offense is the same offense that last year got the ball back against Alabama with what, 26 seconds to go? Right. And kicked the game winning field goal. This is the same offense that at Kentucky in 2021 got the ball back with not too much time left. Boom, you score. I think you're just limited because, one, you don't totally trust your quarterback. Um, a friend of mine made a great point last night over here watching the ball game. And he said, you know, everybody talks about Joe Milton can throw it 90 yards, but he can't throw it 10 yards. And that seems to be part of your problem. So I think you're just limited in what you can do. Saturday they had, I forgot how much time left before halftime, and you could tell we're going to maybe try to get in field goal range. You weren't taking shots. You weren't doing things. So I, I think the the halftime adjustments are limited simply because you're limited from the get-go. You don't have the receivers. You don't have the quarterback. And I think that is just okay. You know, look at, at, at what you Bob, you're spot do. on. That last 38 seconds, Bob, the cards are on the table. You knew what Heupel was doing going to the locker room. You're spot on. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just, okay, we can only do so much with what we have. And, um, you know, and, and John said something. Saturday during the game. Um, you know, why aren't you taking more deep shots? That's the one thing you got with this quarterback. He can throw it a country mile. So why don't we take more deep shots? They're low percentage, but you throw eight or nine and you hit two or three, and you've made up some of the ground that you don't have by being able to go out there and throw seven, eight-yard slants and ten-yard out. So I, I just think you're very limited in what your, what your options are at halftime. That's what happens when people buy cars here yeah, at Harper Volkswagen. Go. Hey, again, live at Harper Volkswagen where we are right now. If you haven't checked out the Volkswagen digital cockpit, it's incredible. Come see how much vehicle you get for the Seriously. cash. I mean, look, Volkswagen towels, we, we said it a couple weeks ago. I said it one was like 26000 for a pretty dang loaded towels. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? There's no way I can fit in that. No, I can fit in it without a problem. What's your measurements, he says? I am uh, 63270. So, yeah, I mean, like, the, so all kinds of room, the Volkswagen digital cockpit, so much vehicle for the money, so many of these vehicles made right here in East Tennessee, and we're live with the roundtable, John Pennington, Bob Hodge, SportsSource.tv, or on YouTube if you missed yesterday's SportsSource broadcast, you can catch them, W-A-T-E 11 to 1230. It's brought to you by Games and Things, OurGameRoom.com, game sets, bars, billiard seating, pub tables, bar stools, theater seating, billiard lights, they have it all at Games of Days. We'll come back with another half hour 
of the roundtable. John Pennington and Bob Hodge continue to join us live on Tyler and Will. Are you ready for hard-hitting observations? Reality remains reality no matter how hard you try to ignore it. The Ben Shapiro Show brings you all the news you need to know in America today. Again, I'm all here for the pop culture, people dating each other for the press. Ben breaks down the culture and never gives an inch. Every so often, and by every so often, I mean literally every 27 seconds when the producer gets fired. The Ben Shapiro Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. 